When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, show number 33. So before you start thinking, well, if I had the money, if I can just let borrow money from somebody, that money will go build burn so fast your head will spin if you don't have the process and distribution and salesmanship out first. Welcome to a real world MBA from the School of Hard Knocks, where entrepreneurs reveal what it really takes to make it. Whether you're already in business or you're on your way there, this show is for you. This is Bigger Pockets Business. How's it going, everybody? I am Jay Scott. I am your co-host for the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, and I am here again this week with my beautiful co-host, Mrs. Carol Scott. How are you doing today, Carol? Oh, doing so great, honey. Thank you so much. This time of year, right? It's just so much fun. It's a challenge in business because people are focused on other things, but at the same time, people in general are excited, they're happy, and it makes doing business that much more of a pleasure. So it's a really great time to be doing great stuff. Yes, I agree. And we have a really great show for everybody today. We have a guy named Pat Fenton here. He is a CEO. He's a coach. He's a mentor. He's a marketing expert, and he has a ton of great information to share with us today. He is transparent about some of his huge failures early on in his career and how he turned those failures into major successes moving forward. He's got an amazing outlook on life, on business, on sales, on marketing. He teaches us how to overcome adversity and how to build our own successful businesses. It's just, it's great from a mindset perspective, from a tactical and and taking action perspective, Pat has just a ton of amazing stuff to share with us. There is a ton of gold in this episode, and I'm positive you guys are going to love it. So if you wanted to get more information about Pat, if you want to get more information about the stuff we discuss in this episode, you can check out our show notes at biggerpockets.com slash bizshow33. That's biggerpockets.com slash bizshow33. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump into our discussion with Pat Fenton. Let's welcome Pat to the show. How are you doing today, Pat? Fantastic. How are you guys doing today? 
Excellent. We are so looking forward to talking with you. You have such a great database, such a great arsenal of knowledge and skills for new entrepreneurs and how to just make their business rock. And we cannot wait to dig into all of the knowledge that you have to offer. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate that. Anything I can do to help entrepreneurs, I'm all about that. So good to have, good to be here and good to have you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pat. So let's go ahead and get started. So Pat, like so many of our listeners on the show, you've had your hand in real estate and you've also been an entrepreneur. So that's a really great blend. So let's give our listeners a little bit of an idea of who you are and how you, you, you had this amazing journey to get where you are today and become the sales expert and entrepreneurial uh, coach that you are. Yeah, so I appreciate that. My my heart was always in uh, athletics. I played three sports in in high school and uh, played college football. Really loved the game of football, and uh, loved coaching. You know, I've always uh, once I got out of football, started coaching the little kids, and I was prodded to become a school teacher and a football coach. And and after jumping uh, uh, the the other coaches, I was coaching was cars and and look at that lifestyle. I'm like, well, I can make fifteen grand a year for in in shift and move about sixteen times. Or I can do something with coaching and maybe put it into a profession where I can earn the kind of money I wanted to earn and do what I love to do still. So I uh, was selling cellular telephones and got referred to a business coach. And I've always believed in coaching and development. And, um, and he started teaching me about leadership management, about sales, uh, sales training, sales skills. And I really took to him and, and saw some success with him and actually left to go to work with him. And talk about entrepreneurship, it's uh, here I am selling success. And I have yet to experience any business success. I was straight commission, no health benefits, just dive right in and, and um, you know, eat what you kill type thing. So um, early on, I knew that I was an entrepreneur. I've always uh, been attracted to situations that where something was broke or didn't exist at all. And I wanted to actually put myself in a situation to be the guy that could actually turn it around or make an influence on it. That's what I'm really... Uh, driven by, which I think all entrepreneurs would agree that you have to have that if you want to be an entrepreneur. And then about six years into mentoring with him, I was given an opportunity to become a platform speaker, which I, ideally, ultimately, even as a little kid, was something I always wanted to do. But when you go to career day, you don't usually see motivational speaker uh, booth that you talk to somebody uh, about. So it's kind of interesting how that all happened. And then I was an independent contractor speaker. And at that point, Really, I had the life because I was in my mid twenties and to late twenties, and I would go leave on a Tuesday. I'd speak on Wednesday for four hours, go to another city, speak on Thursday for four hours, and it just made an incredible income doing that. And uh, again, I was an independent contractor speaker, so I didn't have to do any fulfillment. I went home when I was home. I was home when I was on the road. I was on the road, and lived a great lifestyle, especially for somebody in their in their late twenties. And um, lo and behold, what I started diving into was really the back end. And, and it really mattered a lot to me that whatever I was selling, whatever I was representing had to, had to impact somebody's lives. I really cared about people. And I didn't feel as though that the people that I was surrounded by that were actually doing the fulfillment of the things I was up there preaching were really doing a good enough job to provide the value that, that I really expected and wanted uh, from those clients. So I decided to create my own company and create my own back end and staff it and, um, and do a seminar model in the real estate and the mortgage industry. And away we went. We saw uh, amazing uh, success. Everything was predictable, duplicatable. We knew how many people had 
had to be contacted, how many people had to be followed up with to see at least 150 people in every room we did. And I did 96 events a year. My gosh, that was a lot. And lo and behold, everything's good. Big house, lots of, you know, fancy cars, boats and everything else. And then the inevitable happened where we literally thought we were infallible. The real estate market crashed. And pardon me for voice crack. I've been battling a little sinus infection. So I hope I sound okay. No problem. So in any, in any way, that was really the first experience for me of failure. And I'm not talking about a little bit of failure. I'm talking about, I, at that point, I had three kids and, a, and an infant. And literally, the millions of dollars that we had acquired was all gone. And we had to fire 45 employees wow. and lock the building and walk out the door. And, and at that moment, really, is really a defining moment where you have two options. You can dig, scratch, and claw your way out. Or you actually three options. You go get a job or you can just, you know, sit in the corner somewhere and be and play the victim role. So, you know, it was just uh, um, it was time to just dig in. And lo and behold, you know, there were some valuable things I learned along the way. Number one, that was always trading hours for dollars. We never built a subscription based business. That was a big mistake. We never offered things to people that came to our seminars that didn't purchase. Right. So maybe they didn't have quite enough money for package A, but you know they, they had enough money for package B to get them going. And we never did that just because we were, we were making so much money that, that we were not paying attention to the fact that we could be making a lot more and helping a lot more people. And, and, and the other lesson there was just being decisive when you see the economy shift. I mean, granted, it did take people by storm. We weren't the only victims of that, that meltdown, but there is something that we, we could have seen much sooner that would enable us to act, you follow me? So I, I want to step back because in your story, you mentioned that you had a mentor that kind of uh, helped you get to the next level. And I know a lot of people in our audience are very interested in how they can find a mentor, how they can find somebody who can help them get from wherever they are now to the next level or the next level or the next level. So what tips would you have for our audience, our listeners, um, for how to go about finding a mentor, how about how to go about vetting a mentor and making sure that the mentor is right for you? Yeah, great question. I, you know, there's an old saying that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will, will appear, right? And it comes from really truly being ready to be mentored and you will attract that individual in your life. You know, mentorship is not something that you ought to have. It's, a, it's in my opinion, an economic necessity to have in your life, not just in business, but in other areas of your life as well. I, I met my mentor uh, in, in really in a very short period of time that he knew uh, that, that he was the right guy for me. But the advice I would give to people is, you know, People want to help people, but when you have to really show how bad you want it to people, because they're basically what I describe as a mentor is somebody that has specialized knowledge in an area that you want to excel in. They've been there, they've done that, they carry that wisdom, and you want access to that, right? And people generally, genuinely want to give back to entrepreneurs. They want to take some, but they don't want to waste their time with somebody that they don't believe are gonna they're gonna do it. They're not asking follow-up questions and just being digging deeper and deeper and deeper, right? And, and I like it when, when I see young entrepreneurs, they come up to me and say, hey, I've got a couple questions for you. Would you mind? You know, tell me how you got here. What did you do? Um, so, you know, number one is be ready. Number two, uh, refer around to people um, that have that knowledge. Who do you know that, that is really good at this? And then call them. 
and tell them your story and tell them why you want to meet with them. You'll know when you have the right one because that person will want to actually follow up with you and they're going to want to spend more time with you. And, and they see themselves, they see themselves in likeness to you. So if there are qualities about you, that mentor looks and says, that was me 20 years ago, they're going to take you under their wing. That's excellent. Absolutely awesome. So at this point, you have decades of experience in sales. Many of our listeners are not only new at sales, but a lot of them are probably fearful of selling. They don't know how to sell. They're scared to approach somebody. If you were to give some advice to people that are early in their entrepreneurial career, people that don't have any expertise in selling, but that can kind of get them moving in that in that direction and kind of get them started with sales, what are some of the tips you would give to somebody like that? Yeah, great question. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a baseball fan. And we go to Cooperstown, New York, there's statues of people that will remain in that building forever. And those hitters struck out, batted out, got out seven times out of 10. In other words, they hit an average of 300, right? And they made it to the Hall of Fame and they're forever recognized. That people have to understand that there's an abundance, even if, you know, 5%, 10%, 20%, 30% of the people do say yes to you and the lion's share don't, that there's incredible wealth built on really small numbers, right? Now, that being said, that's kind of the personal development side of things. No, that, that's the first thing I'll tell you. Stop listening to the radio. Stop watching politics. Dive into yourself. And if you're an entrepreneur and don't do that, it's a huge mistake. Um, but if I were to help, if I were advising an entrepreneur right now, the very first thing I would do is say, you have to start with your personal goals. What is your driving force? What really are you doing this for? Why? So I would have them create goals, then I'd have them create a business plan. And then that, in that plan and in that marketing plan, there's got to be systems and processes that have got to be created, okay, whether it's online, offline marketing, traditional marketing, whatever you decide you're going to do, what is your marketing plan? And, and I've got to de develop systems uh, for that. And within those systems, there's a thing called best practice. I've got to run the system, and the system is going to first start with me running it, and if I want to leave my company, I've got to go down that pathway myself first, and then I can duplicate and get out of my business and, and then work on my business and have everybody else duplicate. So you have to practice your words. That is the, the biggest thing I, 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 I see that people don't do in, in, in sales and entrepreneurship is literally by yourself, practice your phone script, your objection handling, your meeting presentation. Uh, if it's online, your online sales funnel video, you can't practice it until you get it right. You have to practice it until you cannot get it wrong. Say that again, Pat. That's huge. Say that yeah. one more time. I said, you know, anybody can practice until they get something right, but the best practice until they cannot get it wrong. That's huge. You know, and, and I've told all my employees that over the years, like you have to rep this thing out. So you know it frontwards, backwards, left and right. And the process of practicing that is where the real money's made. Excelling on the football field. My son plays middle linebacker for the Aquinas Institute. I told him, game day is an expression of your preparation. You just react on game day. You just go and you have fun. It's the practice where the money's made, where the success is. I absolutely love that. Practice is where the money is made. What a great quote. Okay, now I want to step back a little bit. I want to go back to a discussion we were having earlier where you talked about Hall of Fame baseball players. And you mentioned that in baseball, you can literally fail 
70% of the time. You can get up to bat 70% of the time and strike out, and you can still be one of the best on the planet. And that's a really important point. Failure isn't about trying to avoid it at all costs. It's really about taking it in stride and embracing it. And we can be failures 70% of the time, but still be the best in the world at what we do. Failure is that important to us as entrepreneurs. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. There's a friend of mine named Ray Higdon. He lives down there in Florida with you guys, runs a company called Rank Makers. He's a coach in the industry um, to network marketing companies, et cetera. And, and, he, and, I, and I can share his story because he shares it online. I mean, the guy was literally foreclosing on his home 10 years ago. Today, he makes hundreds, income, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in income. And, you know, and he, t- and he said to myself, when I was at my absolute rock bottom, I had that biggest challenge where I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, my life was just literally falling apart around me. He goes, I'd made the decision that number one, I was going to do a video a day. And number two, I was going to solicit at least 10 no's a day. If I didn't get 10 no's, I, I was going to keep going. That's hard to get 10 no's, right? He said, that really was the turning point in my life. You know, I thought there was a great story. We had dinner together in Naples not too long ago. And he's just got a phenomenal business. And, you know, he was a speaker like me years ago. And um, he had the talent, but, you know, he just had to, you know, make the commitment to say, you know, there's certain things that are just going to get done. And in failing, if I just set my mind that I've got to, I'm going to actually look for failure, that kind of shifted his mindset a little bit. So he didn't have the call reluctance anymore because he was expecting failure. And what he did was he kept a journal called the habit of self-reflection where he'd ask him, and my mentor taught me this as well. You ask yourself three questions on every call after every appointment. What I do right, what I do wrong, and what am I going to do differently for the, the next time? Or somebody threw an objection at you and you just fumbled your way through and you really weren't ready for it. Great, write it down. Write a way to overcome that objection. Practice it, internalize it. So when the next time it comes up, it's wax off like Karate Kid. That's awesome. <laughs> you're just so ready for it and you're like, it's yeah. nothing. I got this covered and we're moving on to the next exactly. thing. That's brilliant. I think it's really cool. So Pat, in your experience, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see entrepreneurs make in regards to entrepreneurship? And what are some of the pitfalls that we as entrepreneurs really should try to avoid if at all possible? Well, you know, when you're writing a business, I would say, number one, project low and sell high. You know, because I'm the eternal optimist, I'd be like, you know what? We're going to do 2 million the first year. Then we're going to blow it out to six the second year. No, we can really do this. I can write it down on paper, take a look at it, right? You know, I would always make sure that when you write a pro forma for your business, always have a pro forma. What is a pro forma? If you're listening, it's just basically numbers. What what do you project in terms of revenue? What do you project in terms of expenses? And in particular, if you're just starting off, what do those first three months look like? You know, how do you keep the lights on and develop a little bit of traction? So I would suggest make sure you, you have really conservative projections. Avoid that pitfall of trying to be an eternal optimist because we want to shoot high. We want to set low, but sell high, if you will. Uh, number two, uh, a pitfall would be, be really careful of partnerships. Um, and many, many times people get into partnerships just because, well, it'd be really fun to build a business with that person, right? They're fun. It's a marriage, right? And if you don't have common goals, common beliefs, and common interests, even if you do, there's always going to be highs and lows in that marriage. And it's never, ever, ever going to be equal. So, you know, many times people get involved with partnerships. And I, and I believe me, I've had went 15 years with just an incredible human being. I'll never, ever look back and say it was the wrong decision to partner with a guy named Brian Bailey. 
is a really, truly good partner and it really worked for us, okay? But most of the time in my experiences in partnerships is that they fail. Uh, so if you're going to partner, make sure that they complement whatever it is you do and they're bringing something to the table that can help accelerate the business, not just they're somebody you really want to do it with because they're, you know, they're fun. Because generally what it typically is psychologically for a lot of people that choose partnerships is a false sense of security that they're going to, by being together, uh, have somebody hold me accountable. We'll get out, do this together. So just be mindful of that. Okay, Pat. So, so much excellent uh, knowledge that you've shared so far. And I would love to summarize this. If you had to pick from your experience, three pro tips that people can do to consistently sell more successfully, no matter what their business is, what would those pro tips be? Well, I'm going to answer that in two ways. Number one, you've got to have passion for what you're doing. You have to really, really have passion for what you're doing because if you don't, you won't put in the time. And when you really love what you do, you don't mind spending time at late night when everybody goes to bed, flipping that laptop back open and grinding a couple things out. That's needed. So you have to love what you do. Number two, you really have to think, what problem am I solving? And, and really, what, how can I solve that problem better than the competition currently is? So you have to dive in and find out what they're doing. And then you have to, and those two things will lead you to the creation of your unique value propositions. And once you say, once you go to market, the unique value propositions not only will help you really, really close better when you're in front of people, because after you've delivered so much value and that person says, yes, that, that sounds really good. But the other person said kind of something similar. And then you bring that Billy club out at the end of that sales call, those unique value propositions. That is like the slam dunk. And it just, they didn't expect that. And when you deliver that, it really, really helps you close your sales. And also those unique value propositions end up being the centerpiece of all your marketing. And I think I'll add to that, Carolyn Jay, is that follow the sales process. If no one ever taught you the sales process, here it is. Build rapport, qualify, present, close, and handle objections, okay? You have to build rapport because the qualify, which is really the art of selling, Sales are made and lost, not in the close, they're made and lost in the qualify, which is a sequence design of predetermined questions you're gonna ask, and the answers to those questions, you already know, you pulled them out of that consumer. And that's an art form. And that sequencing and the qualify is based off of where are you now, where do you wanna go? And that creates a gap. So if you ask questions like, where are you now? Who are you using now? Is it what's working, what's not working? And, and no matter what it is you're selling, listen carefully as I say this, that creates a chasm. It creates a gap. And once they've said, here, I'm here at point A, I want to be at point B, your job in the presentation the close is to bridge that gap and show how you're going to get them from point A to point B better, faster, stronger than anybody else. Okay. I, I, can, we, can we step back a little bit? Because I think this is really, really important. So you mentioned the sales process. So number one, and can we go through each of these five, just, uh, just dig in a little bit more for each one and, 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 yeah. and get some more detail around what we can be doing. So number one is building rapport. Yep. Correct? So yes. when you talk about building rapport, is this something that should necessarily be done face-to-face? Can I do it over email? What's, what's the right mechanism to build rapport? Should it be done at the same time you're going to go after the sale? Should it be done previous? I mean, just give us a little bit of idea about what building rapport means to you. 
Well, um, first of all, nobody knows, nobody cares what you know until they know you care. We've heard that saying before, right? Yep. And rapport building is like, in, in, in most terms, 80% of whether they're going to work with you or not is determined based on your rapport building with them, right? And then that's a face-to-face setting. Now, if you're calling a referral, I always tell people, if you get a referral to somebody, take the time with the person that's giving you that name to profile them. What are they like? Do they have kids? What are their kids interested in, right? So I'm writing this down because that's all rapport building stuff. You know, hey, John, my name is Pat Fenton. You and I don't know each other, uh, but my friend Jimmy Smith suggested I give you a call. He said you were looking to sell your house. And uh, I just wanted to give you a quick call. He also said you had three kids that play Little League and Webster. My kids do too. I, you know what I mean? So you can, you can utilize that right out of the gate and it brings people's walls down, right? That's a referral. But regardless, when you're on the phone, Get the appointment, build a little bit of rapport there, and get off the phone and do most of it in person, in a traditional selling sense, right? If you're cold calling, you can't build rapport quick. You've got to get to the point. You know, you know John, John, my name is Pat Fenton. Uh, I'm giving you a call because such and such. Are you having a good morning? Is this a good time? Yes. Let me tell you why I'm calling. And you get right to the point. You go through that initial talk track. And then once you hook them with your qualified questions, that's when you're able to come back later on and when you're cold calling and build more rapport. I would say this is a whole segment we can do on cold calling, the art of it, but you know, there's a real art form to that. But the same thing holds true on social media. In, in online sales funnels, you better build rapport and you better qualify out and bring up the qualify, the pain, identify the problem you're trying to solve and then show them how you're going to fix it, right? So rapport is just, it's absolutely critical because the, again, the real art is in the qualifying. If you don't build enough rapport, they're not going to be honest, or they may withhold answering a full qualify sequence. So when you build really good report, then they're really able. You're you're able to ask the tough questions. Okay, so can you expand a little bit more? When I think of qualify, typically, and and I think a lot of people think this, we think of qualifying our customers, our potential customers, before we ever contact them. So we'll go out, we'll do some research, and we'll say, oh, here's the list of people we want to contact because they they meet the profile. But it sounds like you're talking about qualifying while you're on the phone with them. So when you use the word qualify, what exactly are, are you referring to? And can you give us a couple examples there? Yeah, and, and, and qualifying is, again, it's, it's on the phone as well as in person, okay? So, for example, have you flipped any houses before in your day, guys? Yes, yeah, so a One few. <laughs> so, I mean, if you walk into somebody you got referred to and they were going through disaster, okay, of some sort, right? And the house was flooded and, and they, they ran out of money, they're running out of money and then they're a couple months late on their mortgage payment and you come in there, what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to build rapport because if you don't build rapport, right, then they're, then they're not going to really be honest with those qualified questions. When you show that sincerity, now the qualified is, Mary, you know, I tell you, I call this little transition question. Um, I may be able to help you out. I might not, but I'll, based on a couple of questions I prepared, I'll know within five to 10 minutes if I can help you. If I can, I'm going to show you how. If I can't, I'm going to tell you that too. Is that okay with you? Yes. Great. Talk to me about where things are at right now. You know, um, we're, you know and then you're going to ask her about the house, where it's at, what the situation is, where does she want to go, the financial side. Are you, are you backed up? What's the mortgage look like? What percentage, you know, of the, of, does she owe of it? Correct. Then you're going to qualify out. Is there an opportunity for you to offer seven cents on the dollar to her to help her out? Got right? it. So this is basically your due diligence. You're, you're determining whether this person is actually somebody worth continuing the process to try and sell to, or whether they're not a, not, they don't fit the profile for your product or service. And now's the time to just kind of exit the, the discussion. 
if they don't qualify, you never present. So each stage is a series of gates. So I actually tell, teach my salespeople this. And I remember an appointment I went out of New York City. It was actually Manhasset, New York, Long Island, with a guy named Jeremy. And we walked into this manufacturing firm and I asked these series of qualified questions. Where are you at with your salespeople, their production, and all these things, right? And he was not cooperating. He wasn't answering hardly anything. So I just simply folded my brochure, my, my, uh, my notebook up, and I said, John, not a problem. Unfortunately, that we can't help you out. I don't really understand the first clue about what your problems or challenges are based on the questions and the answers you gave me, and that's okay. I want to thank you very much for your time. I literally get up, I go to shake his hand. He's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Where are you going? I want to hear, see your, I'm like, listen, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice, buddy. I said, I have no idea how to help you because you're not answering these questions. If you answer these questions, you tell me honestly that you're here and you, if I can, if I can get this information, I'll be able to, to tell you whether or not I can help you. Does that make sense? He said, yes. I said, great. I went right back to the questions and he answered and we walked out with a big sale, right? So you got to be willing to walk away if they don't qualify. Because again, presenting and selling is not persuading. It's not you're the best closer. It's not you're slick and everything else. You just got the magic words. The true consultative sales approach is finding out where are you now? Where do you want to go? And can what I do for a living help you get there? So that's real simple. That's great. That's great. Pat, you once mentioned to me something like it's real simple, but something else. What was that? It's, it's simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> exactly. It's simple, yeah. but it's not easy. You have to keep at it and perfect your art form and establish those routines and habits in practice and doing it over and over and over until you can't get it wrong. So before we move on to the next part of our show, let's hear from one of our show sponsors. Real estate investing is known for a lot of things, mainly making a very select group of people a whole lot of money. But being an online cutting edge experience is usually not one of those hallmarks. Well, thanks to Fundrise, that's no longer the case. Fundrise is the future of real estate investing. Their revolutionary model is transforming the industry thanks to their software, which cuts out the costly middlemen and removes old market inefficiencies. Fundrise delivers the kind of investing power you typically only see at the big institutions and can now bring real estate's unique potential for long-term growth and cash flow to individual investors like us. Getting started is simple and usually takes less than five minutes. When you invest with Fundrise, you'll be instantly diversified across dozens of real estate projects, each one carefully vetted and actively managed by Fundrise's team of real estate professionals. Then you can use their intuitive investor dashboard and real-time reporting system to monitor the progress of each property in your portfolio. Now that's the future of real estate investing. So are you ready to get started? Then visit Fundrise.com slash BP business. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash BP business. And you'll get the first three months of fees waived. Again, that's fundrise.com slash BP business. As business owners, our goal is efficient sales on the front end and happy customers on the back end. And our sponsor, Aircall, helps you achieve both. Aircall is a 100% cloud-based phone system that has helped thousands of sales and support teams stop wasting time on the phone. Your customers don't want to call into a phone support line just to find themselves having to explain their issue over and over again to multiple support people. 
Aircall integrates with the most popular CRM, help desk, and e-commerce software solutions, helping your team understand and log vital customer information on every call. So your customers get their issues resolved more efficiently and your support people spend fewer minutes on the phone, which saves you money. And on the sales side, imagine how many more prospects your sales team could reach and imagine how many more leads you could convert when your phone system can instantly add prospect numbers to a calling queue, can sync call notes to your CRM, and can automatically dial through a list of numbers back to back. That's just some of the benefits Aircall provides. And here's the best part. You can get set up with a no-risk seven-day free trial of Aircall in less than three minutes. No credit card needed. Simply visit aircall.io slash BPB, like Bigger Pockets Business. That's aircall.io slash BPB to access your seven-day free trial of Aircall. Okay, so we're building a rapport. We're qualifying the the potential customer. Next piece is to present, and I yeah. assume this is kind of the the longest piece of the of the sales process, where basically you're trying to convince them that this is the product or the service that's right for them. Yeah, and so 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 any any great tips or or just. Uh, just gold nuggets of of what we should be doing when we're presenting to the to the potential customer or client. Presenting and closing is like music; it's a crescendo. Okay, and you really have to start by adding just some really good, cute little good value ads, right? In your presentation, this is something I do for you. Then it just progressively gets better. Let me give you an example. If I were in a real estate setting again, that's just what I've been teaching for many years. But if anybody gave me an example, I could do it for any industry because it works exactly the same. In the qualify, if I said, John and Mary, outside of price and commission, I want to talk about that second. Now, I do that. Like, I don't want them to bring up price right away because I can't add value. Outside of price and commission, talk to me. What are the, what are the qualities and attributes you're looking for out of a real estate agent you want to list your home? What are, the, what are the three or four things that you want to and have from your real estate agent? And they say things like communication, integrity, assertiveness. You want somebody that's going to work hard, right? So if I got that out earlier, right, and I got out what they want for the house price-wise, and I got out that their urgency, where they're at, and when, what their next move is, I did a full qualify. When I got to the presentation, I would simply say, John and Mary, one of the first things you said you wanted was strong communication. You said it a couple different times. You, got, you said it a couple different ways, so I know it's important to you. And I'd bring out my laptop, my, pad, my iPad, or my pitch book, and I would say, boom, commitment to communicate. John and Mary, this is my commitment to communicate. It's three and a half paragraphs long. It's signed by me at the bottom. Here's my cell phone number. I, here's my day, and here's why I return calls. And all it says, I'm going to contact you once a week, proactively let you know who's been through the house, what their feedback was, and answer any questions you may have, right? So right. I just go through that. Great. And then just go down the line. So you're just presenting off the things they said were important to them in the qualify. The next thing you said you wanted was integrity. I want to show you this testimonial. Boom, 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 right? So when you're presenting, all you're doing is linking the things they said they wanted in the qualify and telling them and showing them with the support, collateral, material, iPad, whatever, um, how you're going to help them get there. Awesome. And, yeah. and so you said that the, the present and the close kind of go hand in hand. So you're, you're not, it's not a, here's my presentation. Now let me ask you to buy. I, although I'm sure there's that as well. Um, but that ask is kind of woven throughout the presentation. Great salespeople close people every step of the way. Got it. With what's called tied outs, right? So John and Mary, is this consistent with the type of communication you're looking for from your real estate agent? Yes. Great. And that one's checked off the list. The next thing you said you wanted was, so along the way, 
you know, I'm going through the things they said they wanted. I'm showing them how I'm going to get them there, solve that problem. And then I'm tying it down by saying, is this satisfactory what you're looking for, what you want to expect? Yes. And I'm shaking my head like a penguin. And I'm doing that because they're going to say yes, right? So when it comes to the clothes, if they said yes to everything, before I get to, and I'm just going to use this example, I'll stay with real estate. John and Mary, assume for a second that price and commission we agreed upon. Would there be any reason you would not utilize me and get things going today? Or would there be anything else you would want outside of price and commission? Are we on the same page with everything else? That's called a trial close. Now I know going into the, the, the toughest part of the conversation, the only thing I got to do is eloquently deliver on price and commission and then I make the close very assumptive. So we're, we're, where people think that the best salespeople are the best closers, the close is the easiest part because you've been closing them and tying them down every step of the way and you did one or two trial closes. And that's why the UVP is important because in essence, when you get to the hardest part of the conversation, which is typically what it costs or um, uh, the price and commission in this term, right? If your product is X amount, right? And you see the physiology change. It's then, after then, is when you bring up your UVP. Now, John, so if you think about an infomercial, they drop price and they bring in testimonials, right? And then they do a massive price reduction and it causes massive rush, right? After an hour of watching this thing. Well, there's a lot of psychology with that. So when you're doing a sales presentation and you added value, and that's what I mean by crescendo, you've added value, you've tied them down every step of the way. They said, yes, that's good. Yes, that's good. Yes, that's good. Yes, that's good. You've built yes momentum. Then you brought up the toughest part, the price, the cost, the, you know, et cetera. It's then you bring in those unique value propositions. And that's really the deal stealer. You go right to the close from there. Excellent. Excellent. So it is so important to have those at the ready all the time. It goes back to exactly what you said over and over. Keep practicing, keep working on your semantics, build that routine so that your unique value proposition is front and center at all time. And you can weave it throughout that conversation and close that deal. You know, if they qualify, if they said they have a problem and, and along the way they tied down, they told you they want you. So selling is actually getting them to see and say, yes, I need this. I want this. So it's really the direct opposite of the way most people have been taught about selling. And this is a craft. It really is. And, it, and if you're, you're listening to this, we talk about a lot of things. If there's one skill you really need to hone and own is your questioning, is your line of question. Take some money you earn and put it into an avenue where it's going to create passive income for you. That is a humongous thing because business and sales has runs. And when you make that run, don't spend that run. You don't need great cars. I had a Porsche. I got, I got rid of it six months after I bought it. It hurt my back. It didn't make me happy. Get the Chevy Silverado. That's what I drive now, right? It's basic, but I love it. Yep. Absolutely. Manage your expenses. So that's one thing and is put money into things that are going to make you more of it. And know that capital is not the only solver of problems, guys. Process and people are. So before you start thinking, well, if I had the money, if I can just let, borrow money from somebody, that money will go they'll burn so fast your head will spin if you don't have the process and distribution and salesmanship down first. Those are some fantastic tips. This has been tremendously insightful, but we are getting to that point in the show where we're going to jump into the four more segment. Uh, in this segment, we're going to ask you four quick questions. And then at the end, we're going to give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit more about where our listeners can find out about you and your business, Pat. Does that sound good? 
Absolutely. Okay. So let's jump into question number one. Can you tell us about the worst job you ever had and what lessons you learned from it to uh, to kind of improve your success, uh, your successibility, your success later in your career? Well, you know, I, I, I look at life as lessons. So I really don't, you know, if I, if I don't like something, I'm out. And I've been like that pretty quick, right? So my first job actually was selling cell phones for a broker dealer, which so it wasn't a main company, just tiny little office. And I love cell phone technology with handhelds were just coming out at that time. This is 1995. And um, basically had no leadership, no direction. I was handed a phone book, right? And we were given a cell phone, like, go make some money, right? So I didn't really last, but more than, I don't know, six or seven months there because I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing, how to sell or who to talk to, or, you know, I don't have any direction at all. So um, the lesson I learned from there is no matter what it is you decide you're going to do, go make sure you find a good leader and good training and education. Surround yourself around people that have that. You know, that's, that was my lesson. Excellent. It's a great lesson. Okay, Pat, we would like to know what was your defining moment when you realized, huh, I've got this entrepreneurial itch and I need to make something happen on my own. Well, that was very early on. I mean, I'll go back to when I was playing uh, junior college football and I was getting recruited by a lot of colleges. Well, I chose the school that was 0-9 the year they were recruiting me, right? Now, I knew that, that to me, I've always wanted to, all right, 0 and 9 is attractive to me because if I can go there and make them 500 or 700 or, God forbid, make the playoffs in college, man, I can make a difference. But, you know, shortly thereafter, that cell phone job, I literally went in and I hired, I hired my, my mentor at the time. And I had one person, I had a team of people, a pit crew, but this one particular guy that I was uh, uh, working with, he wanted me to come work with him and sell success. I haven't, now, I have not made probably more than a thousand dollars in a month at that point in time. And now I'm going to go out and talk to executives and sell success for straight commission, no health benefits. It's at that point in time where I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I love this. This is what I want to do with my life. I'm going in. And I was only 24 years old when I made that decision. And it was, um, and it was just a, a great decision at, at best. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Question number three, what was your worst entrepreneurial moment? What was the, what was the worst thing that's happened in your entrepreneurial career? Oh, it's just sitting with my business partner and flying down to Florida and and saying, you know what, when I fly back to Rochester, we're going to go in and fire every single one of our employees and shut off the lights, lock the door. Now fly back down here. We'll figure out what we're going to do. That was when you have kids, especially that was the worst day, you know, business wise, but it wasn't, if you still focus on people, there's always a pearl. Now, and that, not to get too long with this, but we had coaches, coaching clients. We had to fire the coaches. We still had clients that paid for coaching. We had to fulfill those contracts. So the worst part was he and I still had to keep working. Oh. Not only did we, we're not making money or bringing in jobs, we still had to fulfill it because we have integrity. One of those people I ended up coaching basically asked me, Pat, what would it take for you to come to Florida and turn my business around? I said, well, you're asking a lot. I have to give up my company. I just shut down yesterday. No, I didn't say that, obviously. <laughs> so, you know, so I gave him a number. He said, fantastic. I'll draw up a contract. Let's do it. You know, and, and it, was in the, it was in that serving mentality that our, in my opinion, in my, you know, is my, our creator blessed me with that new opportunity because Napoleon Hill said, a fast and think and grow rich. For every seed of adversity, for every adversity you have, there's a seed of its direct opposite. So no one can ever take you down or just stops or just lessons. Take the lesson and move on. 
you know? So we just got to look at that and not have self-pity, not have self-doubt, pick up, pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and move on. Excellent. That's a great pearl of wisdom to take from that. Okay, Pat, one more question. What is something along the way that you have splurged on either personally or professionally that was totally worth it? Well, the Porsche, I splurged on that and I hated it. So it wasn't <laughs> worth it. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I wanted all these big things. You know, material things just don't impress me anymore. Right. Experiences do. You know, it really truly does. I mean, I'm all about family experiences. And um, so honestly, you know, um, from a business perspective, really splurged on a data mining software that pulled data off the computer. That's great. That's Uh, great. And that is one thing that as we talk to so many people and the more entrepreneurs we talk to, the common theme is absolutely every single time. None of us care about the material stuff anymore, right? We've all realized that by, by taking control of our own journey in our own time, in our own day, we are totally able to prioritize what really matters. And we truly realize that experiences are all that matter. The stuff, whatever, it just doesn't matter. As long as you're happy, you're healthy, your kids are okay. It all works itself out. hundred percent guys. I'm so, so excited and so happy you guys have me here today. Oh, so great. Pat, let's jump into the more part of this, of, of the four more. Tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, more about your business and how they can connect with you. Yeah. So if you want to go to coach Pat Fenton on Facebook, and that's a way for me to, to talk to you. If you want to hear what's up with me and just kind of hear some of the value things I do, the videos I do, you can go to coach Pat Fenton on Facebook. Uh, and also go to rapsuccess.com. And uh, so those are the two main places you want to check me out or you can Facebook re- uh, friend request me on Facebook at Patrick Fenton. Excellent. Pat, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our listeners. We really, really appreciate it. Love you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And I apologize for the voice. Hopefully you got through it and you guys can hear me okay. No problem. It's great. You are fantastic. Thanks a million, Pat. Have a really great day. So what did you think, Mrs. Scott? <laughs> Mrs. Scott, you haven't called me that in forever. Wow. So love that episode, right? There was so much gold in there. There are two things in particular that really stuck out. First, the one about the analogy with the baseball hall of famers and how just batting 300 and they're in the hall of fame. So it's a great reminder that we don't have to set out to be perfect. We just have to get out there and try it. And secondly, of course, I absolutely love that gold nugget about don't practice until you get it right, but instead practice until you cannot get it wrong. That is just such an awesome mindset shift and really just emphasizes the importance of doing something over and over and over till it's just second nature to you and that you just have it on the tip of your tongue the right way all the time. Yeah. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think the, my favorite quote in this episode and probably one of my favorite quotes ever was exactly what you said. Don't practice until you get it right. Practice until you can't get it wrong. I mean, that's just words to live by right there. Completely agree. Awesome. Cool. Well, are we ready to wrap up this week? Let's wrap it up, baby. All righty. Thank you, everybody, for listening. She's Carol. I'm Jay. Now go find a mentor, grow your business, convert some sales today. Woo-hoo. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Have a great day. Bye. Bye.